Now, you know I'm home, right? So I'm going to end up taking the jacket off. <laughs> I don't think anybody will be shocked when I do this. So, uh, Thank you. Our uh, scripture text this morning comes out of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Today is Pentecost Sunday. So I'm not necessarily going to talk about Pentecost, but what I want to talk about, I decided that I would use this particular scripture because it refers and speaks about the Pentecost. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Some people say the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to use for a theme for a few minutes today. And I told uh, my group, Heirs of Joy, that I was only going to speak for about seven minutes. And they said, please, don't even try it. But I really am shooting for seven minutes, okay? All right. But I want to use for a thought this morning, when we all get together. When we all get together. In the verses of the scriptures read a few minutes ago, the disciples and others were filled with the Holy Ghost. As Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. However, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit would require the right conditions for the move of the Spirit. According to Acts chapter 2 that I just read and verse 1, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all on one accord in one place. It was important that they were like-minded and focused on the promise Jesus made. There is nothing worse than being with somebody and the whole time you're with them, you're disagreeing. There is nothing worse than being with somebody and you want to go that way and they want to go the other way. But in order for there to be this move of the Spirit as was spoken here in Acts chapter 2, they had to be on one accord in one place. If you want to see miracles happen and if you want God to move, I tell you, you've got to get on one accord. Everybody's got to get to a point where we believe that God is able to do the impossible. We sing about it, we preach about it, we pray about it, and all those things. But when it comes down to the actual doing, is where all of the talk gets lost. But the conditions here had to be right. 
they had to have like minds and they had to be focused on the promise Jesus made. How many of you know that God made you some promises? He made promises not just for you, but for your families, for your loved ones. And oftentimes before the promise is realized and before that which is to come to pass comes to pass, our minds have been shifted our focus. And therefore, just before the dawn, we give up. But they had to have like minds. There was no jealousy among them. No one cried or cared about who was going to get the Holy Ghost first. Nobody said, I've been here long enough. I'm leaving at three o'clock whether the Holy Ghost has come or not. Does this sound like us? We can find everything in the, in the world to complain about. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to wait. We have just become an instant society, an instant world. Everybody wants it today, not tomorrow. Nobody wants to work for it. We want it to fall out the sky just like a piece of pie. We, we, what, is, what, what happened? That we can't wait on anything. But these people didn't complain. They would have tarried there until, if, if it had to be three days, five days, ten days. And we can't even get people to want to be in church for more than an hour. Hey, it is what it is. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 through 20, Jesus declares that if two of you shall agree on earth as believing anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Again, the idea here or suggests that the two praying and believing must be of the same mind and belief. It does no good for me to say, Lisa, can you pray with me that God will perform a miracle for me? And Lisa might say, sure. But at Lisa's mind, she's like, oh, please. God ain't getting ready to do that. Then I don't need, I don't need to, pr to pray with Lisa, do I? Or if I came and I asked you, can you just believe with me for X, Y, or Z? And you know you're not in a position that you're not going to do that. Then there does no good for me to ask you. But if the two of us can agree on some things, we might be able to access the throne of God and he might move and answer on our behalf. You know, have you ever seen the, the game where... Where somebody says, trust me, and they stand behind you, and, and they're going to lean back, hoping you're going to catch them. Now, I wouldn't play that game, because I'm not sure whether you catch me or not. <laughs> See, that's that doubt. So if I have doubt, then there's no point in me playing the game. Is that right? But if I'd known you for maybe, well, I'm not going to say that either, because I've known these jokers right here for 30 years. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if I ask them to stand behind me and catch me, they're going to let me fall. 
If I don't know anybody else, I know that group right there. The idea here is there has to be this, this agreement, this like-mindedness, this one accord, as it were. In our scripture lesson for the day, the disciples and others being filled with the Holy Spirit had a greater purpose. I don't want to get caught up on the day of Pentecost, but I want to get caught up on what happened as a result of Pentecost. See, it was one thing for them to be filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, in other words, to have God living on the inside of them and having God live among them and, and upon them. It was one thing to have that, but it's another thing to, to know what the effects of being filled with God's Spirit can do. And so and that's where I really want to dwell because, see, we as believers have to get on one accord. We have to get on one accord because, believe it or not, the world is in trouble. The world is in trouble, whether you agree with me or not. We see it every day all around us. You can't walk down the street these days without something happening to people who are totally innocent. The world is in trouble. All across our globe, we have all kinds of issues going on. We're fighting. We're hating. We're destroying one another. And the church has become irrelevant. There was a time when the church was the most sacred, the most secured, the most protected institution in the world. But now, they're walking in the churches blowing people's brains out. They're burning down churches. Because the church is no longer respected as it ought to be. And it isn't because we, the church, have forgotten our place. We're not supposed to be the ones taking the back seat. We're supposed to be the ones driving the car. But we're not. We can't even get people to walk in our doors. We can't get people to come in saying, hey, I need a relationship with God. And we can't get them to do that because guess what? We are not demonstrating people who've had a Pentecost experience. People who've had an experience, a relationship with God. Listen. I'm not suggesting that we can, you can't walk this, talk this, live this, cry this 24-7 of your day. I understand it because you have to sleep some. <laughs> but I am suggesting that every waking moment of your life, somebody ought to know that you are a Christian. Somebody ought to know that you are a child of God. Somebody ought to know that you are a woman, man, boy, or girl of faith. Somebody, somewhere, ought to know that. 
And there are no perfect people in here, including myself. But somebody ought to be able to see Jesus in us sometime. The Pentecost experience had a greater purpose. If you read the rest of this chapter, you will discover that as a result of the Pentecost experience that the disciples and others had. And when it was the broad, the people came from, in, in Jerusalem, there were people dwelling there from all kinds of nationalities and nations. And they came wondering, trying to see what was going on. They came, they came, they came, and they came, and they came. And when they came in, they were astonished. They were amazed because they saw all of these Galileans speaking in their languages. Listen, let me tell you something. When God really wants to speak to you, He'll send somebody along that can speak your language. Hello. When God's really trying to get your attention, he'll send somebody along that knows what happens at your address. When God is really trying to get your attention, he'll send somebody along to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm talking to you. It doesn't matter whether you're German, French, Spanish, doesn't matter. God will send somebody to your address and they'll speak your language. Doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor. Doesn't matter whether, whether you're, you're, you're black or white. God will send somebody to speak to you. And when these came, they were amazed that all of these were speaking in their languages. And they thought, the people looking on thought they were drunk. Thought they'd had a little too much, you know, to drink. Thought they were a little tipsy. And, 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 and the apostles stood up and, and said, these are not drunk, as you suppose. But these are those who are fulfilling what was spoken in the book of Joel. That in the last days, I pour my spirit out on all flesh. God is not, not a respecter of person. Huh? He will pour his spirit on, on the rich, the poor, black, white. It doesn't matter. God is not a respecter of person. But if we yield ourselves to God, and if we invite God in, he'll come in and he'll sup with you. And the relationship that you have with God will give you the power of attorney to access anything you need from him. The scripture says that about 3,000 souls were saved on that day because of the witness of those who had a Pentecostal experience. And that was the many scholars say, the establishment of the Christian church. When we all get together, and first of all, let's, let's determine who we, who we refer to. We refers to those of us who call ourselves believers and people of faith. And let's define what we mean by together. Together means on one accord. 
willing to believe and have like mind. When we all get together, three things can happen. And there are more than three, but I'm going to highlight these three. Jesus will show up. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, Jesus declared that where two or three are gathered together in my name or gathered on one accord in my name, that he would be in the midst. So if two or three of us are going to get together in the name of Jesus, he said, I will show up. I will be in the midst thereof with you. And when Jesus shows up, he doesn't come empty handed. Jesus comes full, a bag full of blessings, a bag full of the many things that we need him to do for us. Jesus comes bearing gifts. And the greatest gift that he gave us was his own life. But even after giving up his life, he still extended himself for the sake of those who are the lost. So Jesus will show up. Number two, signs and wonders are performed. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. All that believed were on one accord and had all things in common. Now, I can tell you right now, there are many people out there who say it doesn't take all of that today. This is the 20th century, and we got all these doctors and all these professionals who can do everything from move us a splint, splinter out your finger to taking out your thyroid. <laughs> They'll tell you it doesn't take all of that today. There, there's no need for miracles and signs and wonders today. But let me tell you something. There are a whole lot of things man still can't do. And with all that he thinks he can do, he still doesn't know what he's doing. I'll challenge every doctor in here. And you might have the MD behind your name, but there's only but so far you can go. Because Jesus is still the miracle worker. But we'll say it doesn't take all of that today. We don't have to have those kinds of things happening today. I don't know about you, but let me tell you something. When I need a miracle, I need a miracle. And can't no human being on this earth provide that miracle for me. I got to go to a higher power. But let me tell you something. Doubt will never get it done. It's only by your faith. Will you ever see miracles and signs and wonders? Because you've got to believe that it can be so. Many theologians don't even. Uh, we become Bible dissectors. There are some things in it we want to embrace. And there are other things we don't want to embrace. I'm sorry. Signs and wonders are performed. Anybody here ever, ever experienced a miracle? Anybody? Of course you have. Anybody know anybody who is, is a walking miracle? 
course you do. If you think about it. But we think, uh, leave it on. Point number three. The church will become vibrant and relevant again. In chapter 2, verse 46 to 47, they, the first Christian church, continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread and eating meat in each other's houses with gladness and singleness of heart, one accord, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such that should be saved. If you really want to grow a church, if you really try to add to your membership, if you really want to get things done, then guess what? The church must become vibrant and relevant again. I don't know what happens here at Kenilworth. I come here maybe one Sunday, two Sundays out of the year. So I'm not trying to profess that I know what happens here at Kenilworth. But if Kenilworth is like every other church in the land, guess what? You can afford to have some growth too. If Kenilworth is like every other church in the land, half of the time you can't even find the people when the, when the church door is open. Because the church in a lot of people's minds just isn't relevant anymore. What are we going to do to bring back the importance of the church. But it starts with us. It starts with the people who are in the church. Whether it be your local assembly or whether it be the church universal. It starts with us. The church has just gone silent on everything. It's as if somebody said good night, turned out the lights. And they never came back on. We have to get on one accord. I have to tell you, Sunday morning, churches are the most segregated places on earth. The most segregated places. Be they a black church or a white church, Hispanic church, most segregated And nobody cares. It's not that important. But what is important is that we're all lifting up the name of Jesus. And what is important is that we are a beacon of light for those who are the lost. That's what becomes important. What do you do to win souls? What does your church do? Is there an evangelistic team? Do you do anything to promote your church? Does anybody even know you go to the church? But these are the things that drive the nails in our churches. 
and those nails are hammering down on death. Because those of us who are in the church do nothing to promote it. And I'm speaking to every last one of us. Whew. I hope you all will invite me back. <laughs> you know I say what I need to say. Listen, we're, we're, what, we're what count and we're what matter. And we have got to, got to, it's imperative that we do it. We, the church, must be the church. And we must walk in our Pentecostal experiences. You say you believe, then hey, let people know you believe. The world is dying, and we have a witness to help save it with our individual lives. We are the ambassadors that the world needs. If you put me on, on channel 257-932 from New York, I'll tell the world, Christians, we are the ambassadors. We praying and asking God, Lord, save the world. Lord, do something with this old crazy place. Lord, the folk have just lost their minds. And the Lord is replying, I've already given you the tools. You are the ambassadors that I need for a dying world. If change is going to happen in the world, it will have to start with the house of God. God bless you.